Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Before you sit down, let me say a prayer for us. Kind Father, we pray that right here, right now, that the the Spirit of God would take the Word of God and accomplish and do the work of God in my heart, in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Fifth through twelfth grade, you are dismissed as everybody is seated. You're heading out with your leaders and teachers. I, I, we, don't, we don't do this every week because we don't need to, but uh, I just want to say thank you to our worship team this morning, Rob and Nico and Lizzie and all the fantastic job this morning helping us experience. Uh, wow, that was powerful singing this morning. My heart just got rocked and touched. I don't even know how to start my sermon right now. (laughs) I was scrolling through Instagram this week, and I saw Trace's flowers, and I saw, I won't say who, but one of your child's uh, little butt naked on the beach, and I saw somebody out having dinner and your delicious food, and then... I saw a like little mini video, and it was two men running a race. It was a track meet, and they were at the end. There was five steps, literally five steps left. And the front runner was here, and the guy was trailing him literally by maybe two steps. And as they were coming to the finish, the The guy in the lead suffered from some heat stroke and started to fall and crumble into the ground. And just then, the guy right behind him, rather than put his arm out and cross the finish line and win, he grabbed his arm and held him up and let him, allowed him, to cross the finish line first. He helped him finish his race. Who does that? Who lives that way? Let me ask you a question. Do you have anybody in your life who's helping you finish your race? When you start to fall, when you get to a place where you might not make it, you're close to finishing your race, whatever that race may be, the race of faith, the race of marriage, the race of what? Character, integrity issues. Do you have anybody that's going to grab your arm and hold you up and help you cross that finish line? And now let's flip it upside down. Who are you helping? 
Who are you intentionally helping cross the finish line? We're beginning, starting a new series this morning. We've titled it Unfinished Believing. Believing is just the beginning. Believing is just the beginning. Unfinished. 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 Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not finished. God's not finished with you. Most of you know I had a birthday yesterday. I actually turned 60, if you can believe that. I, 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 I am going to own it. And uh, I got to tell you, I even as I look out into the audience this morning, there I am so grateful. I've, I've spent a lot of time reflecting on this big number. And you know, what I, you know where my mind goes? It goes to so many of you who have been grabbing my arm and helping me finish my race. People that are alongside me, we're running together, following Christ, planting a church, doing church. And you've grabbed my arm when you saw me tired, when you saw me stumbling, when you saw me ready to quit, ready to whatever. And there are many of you in this room that have, that have grabbed me and held me and helped me continue my race and get to that finish line. And I want to see, and you, you guys know who you are. And it's not just guys. There are women in this church that have been sisters in my life and mentors in my life and close friends too. And today I, just, I, I do want to start by saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So here's what's happened to many of us. Becoming a Christian. It meant four things. Four steps, four points we embraced. God loves you. You're messed up. Jesus died for you. Accept Jesus into your heart. We raised our hand. We checked the box. We got saved. And then we started living a normal life, the normal Christian life. Oh, you know, busy and stressed out. The normal Christian life, judgy, I'm right, and everybody else is wrong that doesn't believe exactly the way I do. You know, normal, empty but with lots of stuff. Normal, lonely, isolated. A thousand friends on Facebook and Instagram, but nobody really knows me. I'm not letting anybody in, really. Normal, fearful, insecure, normal, bitter, angry, resentful, holding on to hurts. The normal Christian life, you know, right? That's why I love the title of that book. Gosh, it's probably 15 years. I even say his name, and some of you are going to cringe. Rob Bell. Rob Bell wrote, Jesus Wants to Save Christians. I love the title. Jesus Wants to Save Christians. Jesus and the rest of Scripture remind us that believing is just the beginning. Not the end. I got my hell insurance. All right. Normal Christian living now. Not what Scripture teaches. You know, John Stott 
Some of you know that name, had a big impact on my life, read all of his books and uh, heard him speak up at Westmont and at Montecito Covenant when we were up there. And, and, and he said there's one word that should describe followers of Jesus, one word that should describe people of faith. The word's not normal. The word's different. Different. How are you different than the culture we live in? Different. Not normal. Different. It's a different life to follow Jesus. It's a different life to grab somebody who's falling and help them finish first. That's a different way to live. It's different than pushing them over and getting across first. Who lives that way? Who loves that way? Jesus' people, according to this. And I think where we've missed it as a church, large church around the world, we think it's just about believing the right things. Check. Raise my hand. I'm saved. Check. But you're a jerk. You're annoying. And people don't want to be around you. But that's okay, I'm saved. Jesus wants to save Christians. Jesus wants me and you to be different. Jesus is inviting all of us into a different, off-the-beaten-path spiritual life. You know, we did a series about get out of the visitor center a couple months ago. And, and, and the whole image was church on Sunday is like going to the visitor center in a national park. You go in, buy a few postcards, you watch the video, and then you go to the parking lot, get in your car, and go, man, Yosemite was awesome. And you think you've experienced it. The church, this way we're here, this is just the visitor center. This is just the visitor center. What Jesus is inviting us all into, there is so much more out there. DJ talked about it. Relationships and service and sacrifice and mentoring and pouring your life into somebody else and helping others get across the finish line that are stumbling and bumbling and fumbling. There is so much more, but I'm going to make it real simple. This new series called, titled Unfinish, it's about the Great Commission. Jesus said there's the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. It really is. The whole Bible, you could say it's about the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Great Commandment is love God and love everyone always. Love God and love everyone. That's the Great Commandment. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Great Commission, it's in your program. Let's go make disciples. I'm going to read it here in just a second. But let me first throw up Psalm 119.32. I love this verse. This is a verse you want to just underline, circle, have in your heart. It's translated this way in, in, in one of the translations. I will run in the way of your commands. He's talking about God. The author says, I'm going to run in the way of God's commands. For you, you've set my heart free. You've set my heart free. When you think about the commands of Scripture, you think of them, hold on to them as burdensome, obligation, guilt, pressure, or do you connect the dots and say, 
wow, you mean running towards those commands, into those commands, living them out brings freedom? It sets my heart free when I walk and run in the ways, in the life and the lifestyle that God has? Yeah. Yeah. The commands of God aren't about busy, stressed, judgy, I'm right, you're wrong, lonely, empty, fearful. That's, that's not the kingdom of God. That is not the way of God. When we run in the way of his commands, we get freed up. And so many of us as followers of Jesus, we're locked up in fear and we're jacked up with dysfunctional stuff that we're unwilling to look at, we're unwilling to deal with. And so you read the Bible and you look at the life of Jesus and it says he came to set us free. And if we will trust him, and run in his ways, in his commands, we get, we get to experience a freedom that, that life and our culture and stuff can't offer us. And so running in the command, what are the commands? Love and go. What? Love. And then if you look in your program, Jesus came and he said to his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Let's just stop right there. All authority? Yeah. His authority flows out of who he is, his being. He's the unrivaled ruler of the universe, according to God's word. The unrivaled ruler of the universe. And so his claim to ultimate of authority, this is actually the backdrop to the Great Commission. And he says what? He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you know, whenever that word therefore is in the Bible, you know what the question you need to ask? What's it there for? What's it there for? Whenever you see that word, what's it there for? It's because you, now you want to read what was before it. All, he has all authority. Therefore, well, if he does have all authority, therefore, we need to pay attention to what he said. Therefore, what? Go. Go and do what? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to run in the way of my commands, to obey all of the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. In this life, I am with you always. I'm with you. In the hard times, the good times, the ups, the downs, we just sung about it. I'm with you. What does it mean to go make disciples? Dallas Willard calls it the great omission, not the great commission, because 90% of Christians are not doing it. <laughs> We're not doing it. We're not making disciples. We're making Christians. I'm saved, and now I live a normal life. It's the great omission. But if we're running in the way of his commands and our heart's getting freed up, you know what happens? We start living beyond ourselves. We start thinking about, how can I help this guy finish his race who's stumbling ahead of me? How can I help him be first? How can I help that woman flourish and thrive? How can I come alongside somebody else and build them up and lift them up? 
What does it mean to make disciples? Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you're born a disciple. In fact, in the 1970s, there was a book called Disciples Are Made, Not Born. Jesus said, go make them. We make them. It doesn't mean I'm the expert with all the right answers, and now I'm going to show you how to live. Actually, the word disciple, it means learner. Learner. Lifelong learner. So even as I'm pouring my life into somebody else, I'm a disciple. So you know what? I'm actually learning from people I'm discipling. And if I'm not, that's a problem. Because a disciple is a lifelong learner. So a disciple, what does it mean? A disciple is someone who is running in the way of God's commands, freed up, not locked up, not stuck in being all jacked up, but following Jesus in order to learn how to become more like him. Let me say that again. Following Jesus in order to learn how to become more like him. It does not happen in a classroom. It does not happen on TV. It happens life on life. It happens relationally. It happens when you get close to somebody. When you let somebody into your life and they let you in and you talk about spiritual things. Making disciples is about learning together. It's about, listen to this word, reproducing by helping somebody else run in the way of God's commands. So together, you're helping each other be set free. So when we're chained up, when we're in prison, we're walking alongside each other, we're running alongside each other, and we're talking about those issues that are causing us to be so fearful and so addicted and so insecure and so competing with each other and comparing and wanting people to think I'm this way when I'm not. Discipleship is the heartbeat of what Jesus wants for his family, for his people, becoming more like him, which is more loving, more gentle, more generous, willing to sacrifice, willing to serve, willing to, willing to help this person who's falling. Don't let him fall. Hold on to him. And then let him go first. Let him win. Let him get the recognition. Really quickly here, how do we do that? Let's get to the how. Two words. Paying attention. What does that mean? How do I disciple somebody else? Pay attention. Four ways. Just wrote them down this week. Let me just say, the reason I say pay attention is because I think it was Socrates, right, who wrote the unexamined life is what? Not worth living. So really when we disciple someone and enter into these discipling relationships, we're examining our life. We're reflecting on our life. We're paying attention to each other's life. So here's four ways you pay attention. One, pay attention to your life stories. Actually, how your life's going. Pay attention to that. Wow. You keep switching jobs. You've been fired 
three times in the last three months. Is it taboo to talk about that? Am I allowed to ask you? Like, is it always a reason, an excuse? Right? Pay attention to each other's stories. What's God up to in your life? What are you learning? How's God showing up? How's God speaking to you? What kind of person am I actually becoming? Do you have a relationship with anybody that, that, that you listen to, that you've given permission to speak into your life and say, hey, you're kind of a jackass. God, I, I want that. I actually want that. If I'm, if I'm living that way, if somebody sees me being that way in my marriage, I need somebody to tell me that. My wife will tell me that. <laughs> but I need, I, I need somebody else to tell me that, too. Like, hey, I noticed the way you treat your wife when we were out the other night. And I actually have people in my life that do that for me. And it helps me run in the way of his commands. And they see me starting to fall. And the way I treat my wife or my daughter or my colleagues, hey, they're paying attention. They're not on sin patrol. Hey, man, I saw you have a, a sip of beer the other night. It's not that. It's loving someone to say, I'm listening to your story with you. And you're listening to mine. Second way we pay attention is pay attention to your character issues together. Where are you not becoming the kind of person you want to become? What is your signature sin? It's that one you've been doing for the last five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and you're like, I can't get it right. I'm still, what? You fill in the blank. But you, you allow someone to, 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 you let them into that. I have a character defect, a character issue. And I don't want to, a year from now, five years from now, I don't want to be that guy, that woman anymore. I don't want people to go, that's just the way John is. He's, he's half an hour late all the time. No, I don't want to be that guy. Oh, yeah, he, he, he's just the guy that he's never generous. He never picks up a tab. Back, bring extra money when you go out to lunch with him. You know, he's the pastor. We got to pay for him every time. I don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. Back, when I asked you to lunch, you're like, yeah, sorry, we, we did that once. I, I know what that's like. You hear what I'm saying? Pay attention to these character issues, your challenges, your conflicts, your unhealthy patterns. And then I love this quote by Dallas Willard. He says, see your story, see your story as God's curriculum. For transforming you. See your story for God's curriculum. For so whatever is happening in your life, your story, you got to own it and then go, wow, God wants to speak into my story. God wants to transform me, shape me so that I live a better story, a bigger story, the best version of myself. So we're paying attention to that. The third is paying attention to your resistance or resistances. Why do I keep making excuses for why I can't join a small group, for why I can't serve, for why I can't disciple somebody else, for why I can't be on time, for why I keep jumping in and out of promiscuous relationships? 
And when somebody talks to me about it, I'm resistant, or I'm making excuses, or I'm rationalizing it. Pay attention and let others pay attention. Why am I defensive? Pay attention to your resistance. And then lastly, fourth, is paying attention to God's voice in Scripture. I wonder if you are one of those Christians, like so many of us, although I, I, I usually say us, but I actually am not one of those Christians, but who actually reads your Bible? I actually read my Bible. Not to go look at me, because this is God's mirror, according to the book of James. And my life's transformed when I read Scripture, when I read the words of Jesus, when I read the red, and I go, oh, that's how he wants me to live. I forget. I got the John Ireland manual on how I want to live, but then I got running in the ways of God's commands. That's, that's here. I got to find those here. So my heart gets set free. And so this idea of paying attention when you open Scripture and you read it and you reread it, the word meditate means to chew on it. So I'm chewing and I'm reading and I'm staying in it and I'm soaking in it. And the phrase that we use here is notice what you notice. What phrase, what word as you read the Bible jumps out at you that's life-giving? What, what phrase bothers you? What, what, what verse do you have a question about that you're like, man, what does that mean? I don't even know. You're reading it and you're listening to the whisper. God, speak to me. I'm open. He'll speak to everybody in this room. Everybody in this room. He'll speak to you through the Word of God. Pay attention. And let me just say this really quick. Some of you, you know, and this is great too, is you read devotions. A devotion is uh, somebody takes the Scripture and then they uh, expound on it. They explain it. They, they give you insights to it. So there's lots of incredible, wonderful resources, devotions. I was given this book uh, by a guy in our church named Dan. It's called Renovation of the Heart. I love what he said. He said, hey, this Dallas Willard book, Renovation of the Heart, he goes, did you read it? And I said, yeah. And he goes, did you finish it? And I went, no. He goes, yeah, you and everybody else. Because it's Renovation of the Heart, the book, it's, 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 it's thick, it's dense, it's sluggish. You're like, it's good. It's, it's like one of those, I, I know it's good for me. It's like eating your vegetables as a kid. It's like... I'm reading it, and I know I'm supposed to like it. And, and, but he said there's another resource that's been written. Jan Johnson partnered with him and his writings. And she's, now it's Dallas Willard and Jan Johnson, and it's called this, Renovation of the Heart in Daily Practice. And then here's the subtitle. This is, the, this is what I really love. Experiments in Spiritual Transformation. Experiments. And so here's, here's the beauty of this you haven't paid attention to anything, just look up here right now. There's, I think there's 60, you ready for this? Two-page chapters. I love two-page chapter books. You can do this. You read two pages. You get to the end of the two pages, and then it has experiment for the day. It's a spiritual exercise, a spiritual experiment for the day. What if you got this book and you got with another person and you say, hey, let's meet. 
You read your two pages, I'll read mine, and then we'll do the experiment together and we'll talk about it. And how's God speaking to us? And where's God showing up? And where am I challenged? And where am I convicted? And where am I encouraged? And <clears throat> That's what we're going to do. You don't know this. But touch the person next to you and say, pay attention. Just do it right now. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, pay attention. All right, here we go. At the end of this series, the last Sunday of this series is August 25th, which we call Back to Church Sunday. August 25th, Back to Church Sunday. Here's how we're going to do Back to Church Sunday. We are going to ask you if you're willing to do 40 days, which is six weeks, of discipleship. If you're willing to put your name in, you go, hey, I want to do 40 days of discipleship. And then I'm going to trust God and the staff to connect me with another person. And we're going to grab this book. You don't have to grab this book. You can, you can grab this one. <laughs> and you're going to meet once a week. But you're going to initiate that. That's what we want, self-initiating. We're going to go, here's, here's the person we put you with. Here's their number or email, and, you're, and we're going to tell them. And then you're going to get together, and you're going to go, okay, the next six weeks, we're going to meet, and we're going to do this kind of co-collaborative discipleship thing together. I asked Casey Yardley, who most of you know, she leads us in worship and singing. She's not here this morning on her way. I go, she's kind of a, actually offstage. She could be shy. I, go, I said to her, would you do this? You're, you're not on staff. You're sitting in the audience. And I say, hey, this is what we're doing. Would you do the 40-day thing? Are you, I'm shy, I'm like, she goes, actually, I would do it. I would do it. I'd probably be a little resistant because I'm shy, and I'd be a little scared about who you'd put me with, but I would do it. You have the next few weeks during this series to sign up for it, to, say, to put on your card and throw it in the box. I want to do, do this. I want to I take six weeks. I want to take 40 days, and I want to I put... My toe in the water, for some of you it feels knee deep. For others of you it feels like you're cannonballing all the way in. But for six weeks you're going to have spiritual discipleship conversations on what it looks like to follow Jesus and, what you're, and, and listening to your life stories and the stories of what's really going on in your life. And you're bringing the Word of God into your real life and you're letting God speak to you through that. That's what we're going to do. I'm out of time. I'm over time. We're going to come to the table here in a moment. Let me invite the band up. Would you bow your heads with me for, for just a moment here? I'm, I'm, I got to tell you, I, I, as I was preparing this message, I could feel, I could just feel some of you yawning through it. Oh, here we go again. Wants me to do a great commission. You know. And, and, the church across America is not making disciples. We're church attenders, and that's not biblical. In this series, our goal is, is that every stinking single one of you would say yes, to say, I'll do this for six weeks and trust that God might use me to help somebody else finish the race who's stumbling and bumbling just like I am, and so, kind Father in heaven, I pray that the Spirit of God would seal this message on our hearts.
that we wouldn't walk out of here and go, oh, ho-hum, Ireland gets a C-minus for his sermon today, and I'm not going to do anything about it. I I pray against that spirit, and I pray for a, a hungry and thirsty heart. I pray that we would hunger and thirst to to have our stories be different, that we're not living for ourselves. I pray that that we would have a hunger and thirst to impact and influence one other person spiritually, that we would lean into 40 days of discipleship, not because it's a program, but because it's a relationship that we're going to trust, that you're going to have us partner with someone and influence each other to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.